Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to USA Global TV and radio. Happy Friday, happy Saturday, wherever you are in the world. We are super excited to have you here. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck. I'm the president, founder, and chief listening officer here at our network. Our show today is Authentic Achievements, and this is a special edition that I personally am super excited to be a part of and be presenting. One of our team members, Kim Adele Ray. Randall has her own authentic achievement as well as her daughter has hers today. Let's welcome Kim Adele and hear what she has to say. Hello. Hey, Dr. Jacqueline. How are you? Hi, congratulations. I'm so happy for you and for Scarlett. And we have an abbreviated show today. So I just want to turn it over to you. You are officially a TEDx speaker, and I can't wait to hear about how this whole process went for you. And then, of course, there's something very special happening in just a few minutes. So take it away, Kim. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Dr. Jackie. Yeah, it's, it was uh, one of my dreams was to be a TEDx speaker. I got in my head that even though I've been speaking for a lot of years, if I made it to a TEDx, then maybe I was good at what I did. Maybe... Maybe it meant I was, I'd got something worth saying. Um, and so when I got, so I, I did my application and, and kind of um, put my idea out there. And, and um, when I had the first conversation with the, um, the committee that were pulling together their panel of speakers, they were so, they were really lovely, really supportive. Um, and then I heard nothing. So I was like, oh, I thought the, you know, I thought the conversation had gone really, really well, um, but I didn't hear anything. And then um I got invited I got an email that that said um you know congratulations um but the way I read it and it was my misreading so I've gone back and, and looked at it again since but this was those moments of self-doubt I thought it meant I'd got through to the final stage that I'd got through to I'm going to be you know interviewed for one of those final places so I turned upon the day you know, I was really nervous and I was gonna get myself all prepped only to find out that, no, it actually meant I was going to be one of the speakers. Um, but then you suddenly realise all the things that you just didn't know. So I assumed that, you know, you've got your idea, you're going to go up and, 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 and talk, and, and that, that's pretty much it. Um, what I didn't know was it's a real investment, and the team are all volunteers. So we ended up with 12 weeks of really intensive coaching on how to make sure that we were actually presenting it so it's it's not it's got to be you know, and it's got to be engaging and entertaining as well as informative and an idea worth sharing so there was so much uh, work that was done in, in teams and individually with coaches to make sure that you were um articulating it in a way that people could understand um that it you could get your message into 12 minutes um and and that was really funny because um for most of my fellow speakers, 
<clears throat> they were struggling, you know, they were get they were um you know 20 minutes and, and trying to like bring it back down. I, as you know, I talk quite quickly. And when I'm nervous, I talk even more quickly. So every time I had to do it, I could do mine in about eight and a half minutes. That's <laughs> like, oh dear, how do I eke this out? How do I get more comfortable? And I remember going to uh, going to one of the, our rehearsals and, and there were quite staged rehearsals. And, and the last one, which we'd been told about at the start, was the week before the physical life performance. And it was a full dress rehearsal in the theatre that we were going to be um, doing the, the telex at. Um, and we'd been told all the way through that if we got to that rehearsal and we weren't ready, we weren't fit to, to be at TEDx, they would pull us from the following week's performance. So you do all of this work and you still may not get there because they've got a license and it has to be right. And obviously they want to do the right thing and totally respect that. So this was a couple of weeks before that. And we, by this point, we've all become friends. So we're in this in this room of friends um, that we know are there to support us. And uh, they said, right, Kim, why don't you get up and, and do your speech? So, so I did. Um, I've never been more nervous, even though I, I speak publicly all the time. I'm in this room of people that I know, 15 of them. And the pressure of, of the, I think of how excited I'd been about it being a TEDx was, was so intense that I, that I, one, I delivered my speech, I think in eight minutes flat. Um, and two, I couldn't stop my legs shaking and shaking so badly that you knew everybody could see. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't help. I'd got skin tight black jeans on. So it was really obvious <laughs> that they were shaking. And kind of the feedback from the group was, yeah, it was fascinating to watch because from the from the kind of waist up, like your voice, um, you looked confident, your voice sounded confident, didn't look like there were any issues. From the waist down, you looked like you were going to fall over. <laughs> like really terrified uh, like you didn't like you didn't know what you were going to do and I was like I know it was horrendous I, said, like, I kept moving thinking if I move is that going to make them stop is it uh, is it is going to make it better but I think it's about that part of you know getting our being authentically who we are I mean the piece that I was talking about was the power of belief and the fact that hope and fear are both imagined so the thing that we're fearful of we have to imagine it. It hasn't happened yet. We create it in our own mind. And that's the same of what we're hopeful for. The things we're hopeful for haven't happened yet. So we create them in us in the same brain that created the fear. So why is it that we choose to believe that what we're fearful of is more credible and more likely than what we're hopeful for? Because they were made by the same person, They're equally relevant um, so even though I knew it, and even though it was, like, it's part of my research, and I absolutely believe in, in kind of what I'm saying, in those moments, the fact that our emotional brain responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain, was like, it's okay that I know it, that I understand it, that from a neuroscientific point of view, I get that this is how it works. When my emotional brain kicked in, it just went, fear, 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 <laughs> I run away. Um, and it was, it was having those moments of being able to go, no. I'm not going to run away. It's going to be fine. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll get through this. And then at the dress rehearsal, we went in and there was the the famous red spot, and it's uh, and it's a really the audience are really close, so you can like you could touch them, <laughs> and it, and you've got this bright light shining at you, um, and 
you've got to try and make sure that you're in, uh, that you're not doing what I do all the time. So you can't fling your arms around and you can't walk off the spot. You're supposed to stay on it. So you're trying to remember all of the stage prompts that you've got and then make sure that you remember, you know, to go through this, to go through your story and to make sure that you're bringing the audience into it because it's about creating that ongoing conversation. Um, so I went to the dress rehearsal and one of my best friends came along and sat in the audience and I was telling her about my horrendous legs and this time I've worn a dress and I was like, you just need to help me out if, if it's if it's bad. And, and again, her, her <laughs> she was like, I see what you mean, Kim, about your legs. I mean, they weren't as bad as you said, but um, they were much better when you um, started moving around. Um, and also, and, and one of my coaches said, they're much better when you get through the first three minutes of your speech and that's because the first three minutes of my speech is where I share one of the um, toughest and most personal stories of my life um, when I found a lump at nine months of when Scarlett was nine months old and I didn't think I was going to survive and going to write the letter that would give her all of the love and support and advice and guidance that I wanted to cram into our life together if I didn't make it. Um, and I think because it's such an, you know, it's an emotional story. And it, every time I, even though I know that I'm still here and I know that she's still here and, and I'll share in, in a minute while we're doing a shorter show today. Um, so I, so even though I know that it's not happened, I remember what it felt like to feel that fear, to fear that you weren't going to be there, to have the world almost it felt like it stopped in in those moments as you, as you felt out of control but then it was back to that piece around recognizing that you can focus on our fear or you could focus on what you're hopeful for you could focus on what it is that you want to have happen and whilst I didn't share this particular one in in my TEDx you know I had a moment a few years later so she was not quite two and I ended up in intensive care with double lung pneumonia uh, and I remember speaking to the doctor and saying, um, tell me what I need to do to get out of here. Uh, and he looked at me and he went, madam, I don't think you understand. We're not certain you're getting out of here. And I remember vividly looking him in the eye and saying, no, you don't understand. I have a, I have a little girl who's not quite two, who's never done more than one night away from me yet. Uh, and she will be scared. So I will get out of here and you will let me. So you will tell me what I need to do. And... Um, I was in, as I say, I was put in intensive care and that was on the Sunday and on the Wednesday morning. So just three days later, they discharged me and the same guy came and sat at the bed and he said, I've seen your x-rays. I do not understand how you got your body to go from that to this. And so it really was quite simple. The only thing I focused on, the only thing I pictured was Scarlett's face when it was me that picked her up from nursery when it was me that went to pick her up and it was my face she saw at the door. Um, I said, because that's what I focused on, that's what happened. And, you know, because I, I stopped for the first time in probably two years of trying to navigate, having come through the first illness, the breakdown of my marriage, the becoming a single mum, the reestablishing our lives. I just had never stopped and never taken any time to be kind to myself, to show any any form of compassion. And so I think sometimes your body kicks in and says, you need to stop. You're not taking care of yourself. We're going to stop you. Um, 
And I realized in those three days, if I wanted to get back to my little girl, I needed to take the hint. I needed to take the time to stop, to take a break and to focus on what is what it was that I wanted. Um, and that set me on the four years that's taken me on the research to do my TEDx, which was around how do we change those labels? How do we catch ourselves in those moments where we're saying something that doesn't serve us or we're focusing on something that we actually don't want? And instead say, what do we want? What would life be like if we could have the things that we hope for and allow our subconscious brain to help us find those things? I think the research that was done, I believe it was by Stanford, shows that we use less than 10% of our brain power. Imagine what we could do if we could just use an extra one or 2% and have all of that focused on helping us achieve our goals rather than being fearful of not achieving our goals. Wow, Kim Adele, I didn't know if I should jump in or not. There are so many fabulous points that you just made there. And I was I was going through all these emotions as you were speaking, just imagining you standing up there shaking like a leaf like that with your legs. And, you know, I think something that's interesting, and I think anybody who's ever given a speech for me, it was when I gave my dad's eulogy. I was holding on to that podium. I gave an 11 minute speech and my legs were going shaking. I thought that I was literally going to knock over the podium and pass out, but somehow we get through it. And I think to your point, when we're focused on ourself and that personal connection, those first three minutes that you talked about, you're reliving that and you're reliving it in front of all these people you don't know. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. It feels so personal that you just think this might not be interesting to anybody else because it's my journey. It's my story. Um, but it was how I got my breakthrough to then get onto the, to the idea of how you change those labels. And that's my only reason for sharing it was I couldn't make the move until it was until where I was was no longer an option. Um, but actually, now that I know that I can make the move without the bridge having to have burnt before I make the move, I can now go, no, this doesn't really serve me. I'm going to look, I'm going to look somewhere else. But it's interesting, isn't it? How we, how we show up for ourselves versus how we show up for the people. Because again, on the day, um, everybody else, when they're going out, I was like, come on, you've got this. Your speeches were amazing. And they were, their speeches were amazing. A really inspiring group of people. And before they went on, yeah, you're doing a little bit of a pep talk. Somebody came to my bit and I'm, I'm stood outside uh, waiting, waiting for my turn to go on. Um, and instead of giving myself the same kind pep talk that I'd given to everybody else, I, I, like, I was pacing up and down and I could see myself in the reflection of the um, fire escape. And I literally was just telling myself off and going for crying out loud, Kim, it's 15 minutes of your life. It's been something that you've been dreaming about for years. And in 15 minutes, it's going to all be over. So just get over yourself and get, get on with it. Stop being such a, such a wuss. Um, and it was only afterwards on reflection, that I was like, you would never have said that to another human being. You would never have been so unkind. You would have you would have tried to build them up, to build their confidence, as opposed to giving them a slap around the face with a wet fish and tell them to get past themselves. But it's interesting that even though I've been on this journey and I'm getting so much better at being kind to myself and recognising um, that I do have value, as do we all, um, there's still those moments where you go back to being your own worst enemy, your own harsh critic. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I think also when you had that conversation with the doctor and you said to yourself, probably before you said to him, listen, I don't care what this guy says. I'm getting, I don't care if I have to bust loose during the middle of the night, I'm out of here. But I think what's really important about that and what you're saying also is that when it comes to standing up for somebody we love, like your daughter, there are no limits. There are no boundaries. But when it comes to standing up for ourselves, we have all this doubt and all this fear. But we know if we don't stand up for ourselves first, we can't stand up for anybody else. Oh, that's, that's so true, Jacqueline. And we, and we don't do it. We, we kind of, we, it's, it's always easier if, if actually you're doing it for somebody else because um, we know how much we love and care about the other person. We know the value that they bring. Whereas we sometimes find it hard to, acknowledge that in ourselves and I think that's because I believe everybody in the world has a natural talent has something that they do naturally um that may not feel that talented uh, you know mine was I can speak to anybody now that doesn't feel very talented we can all speak to anybody you open your mouth the words come out it doesn't feel very talented until you see people that can't and so you see people that really struggle with it mm. and you go oh right okay I don't find it difficult to chat to anybody. You know, I'm the person that people talk to on the tube and things. Um, but it's it's you know, if we can find our natural talent and recognize that that doesn't make us egotistical, we're not saying we're better than anybody else. We're just saying we know how to do this quite easily. They know how to do their talent quite easily. What if we shared knowledge? What if we shared how we do it in some steps and they shared what they can do? And we all learn together. We all grow together. So I think ego... We, ego is something we all have in some element and we're told it's a bad thing but actually too much of it is a bad thing but not enough of it is equally a bad thing because it means that we don't treat ourselves kindly and we don't give ourselves um what we need to survive and there, there's that you know the old adage you have to put your own um life mask on before you can help somebody else and I never understood that until I had my little girl and then I realized that actually if I didn't put mine on first I wouldn't be around long enough to help her get hers on and then get her off the plane if something like that happened if heaven forbid we were in that situation so it was like actually I need to get mine on as fast as possible so I'm so I'm fit well and able to be there for her and to continue to care but sometimes we have to be in one of those situations for us to see the realization of, of the truth in what people have been telling us. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think also it depends on the approach. If I came to you and I said, Kim Adele, I just am coming from a heart centric place. Something I found that I've done some research and I'm really good on is learning how to produce a show. And I know you're looking to produce a show. Would it be okay if I gave you some tips about some of the things I've learned as opposed to, Hey, guess what? I'm producing a show and I know, right. You might be like, Whoa, what's going on there. And you can come to me and say, Hey, listen, in my experience, I'm an outstanding coach. I've gotten all these you know, referrals, testimonials. Would you mind if I shared with you some of my experience and then people come together and share experience and resources. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love that because, you know, I think we can learn something from everybody we meet as long as we're open-minded to it. Um, 
And you know, you think about every my my grandparents had two great pieces of advice, but one was from my nan, one was my granddad. Uh, and between them, I, yeah, I think they've given me a life lesson to live by. So my nan's advice was always every day is a school day. So every day we should learn something new because we meet new people, we do new things. So take an opportunity. And I start every day with my little girl, Scarlett, and we're like, what are we going to learn today, I wonder? And at the end of every day, what did we learn? You know, what, what is it we know today that we, that we didn't know this morning? And then my granddad's piece of advice was live each day as if it's your last and one day you'll be right. Um, but I think what he meant by that was don't put off till tomorrow something that you've got the opportunity to do today because tomorrow's not promised. Um, so you can't, if you, if you live each day as if it's your last, you're going to live without that uh, fear of regret because you're going to have attempted all the things that you need to attempt. Um, and I think, you know, that it, having, you know, I'm a big believer in living by quotes, I find them a, a really great way of picking my mindset of being able to um, decide how how I'm going to choose to handle any situation. Because, you know, I've realised in life that I can't choose how people behave towards me. I can't choose what challenges come my way or what opportunities come my way. But I can choose how I respond. And that response says everything about me. So that's the piece that I need to own. That's the piece I need to be accountable for. And, and therefore, you know, I, I do my best to always um, pick a response that I'm going to be proud of. And when I find myself in moments where I know it's, I'm struggling to come up with one, you know, I remember with, in one particularly uh, difficult part, uh, part of my life when my marriage was breaking down, having a phone call with, with my ex and saying, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to hang up now. Um, but give me 10 minutes and I'll call back. We find a solution. That's absolutely fine. But right now in this moment, I'm struggling to find a response I'm going to be proud of. So I just need to take 10 minutes to go and have a word with myself and then I'll come back and I will um, carry on and we can have the, we can, you know, we can find a resolution. We can find a way through that works for everybody. I love that. I think that's such a, a good approach. I've used that before when I was married. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's take half an hour, maybe take a whole day and not speak to each other and then come back and figure out how we can work this out because emotions become heated. And if you think about it, like the example that you gave about the TEDx, there's so much that went into the preparation for that. And Am I doing it? I'm not doing it. I'm shaking. I'm not like all the things that were going through your mind. And then it's showtime. And if anything were to come up, if somebody were to, to come to you and say something in that window of time between when you prepared and when you were going to present, you could take that in a different way than you might take it after the speech was over. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. It's, it's so true. We, we, we get ourselves. So, um, we take our own perception and we project it out to being what we are assuming other people are going to say. And actually what that really is, is what we're fearful is going to happen <laughs> because they're That's not true. going to say or think any of that at all. Um, but, but we, we, we think that, and I, you know, sometimes when you ask other people um, their opinion of something, it's fascinating to see how they describe something. And I think I've shared this one once before. I remember doing a personal brand one, and people coming back and, and saying, um, you know, two, two things that we think that are your strengths, you're brave and fearless. And I was, 
Let's stop what you're talking about. I live in fear every day of my life. And at that point in my life, I was, I was fear, I got really bad imposter syndrome and I was fearful of being found out. I was fearful of not being good enough. I was fearful that someone was going to turn around and go, oh my goodness, we put the hairdresser on the board, get her off, get her off. And it's never happened. It still never happened. But that was my biggest fear. Um, and I remember asking them, you're going to have to explain to me because I don't understand. I don't understand brave and fearless. Um, and it's probably worth noting at this point that I'm living in the 36th house that I've lived in since I left home at 21. Um, and they were like, you will literally up sticks and move somewhere where you know nobody for a job you're not even 100% certain you can do. That's brave and fearless. And I was like, that's fascinating. I thought I was flighty and a little bit stupid. Um, and I thought that's what you all thought of me because I moved around a lot with work, because I'd travelled a lot, because I'd been so career focused. And then I looked and I went, I wonder, wonder what my life would feel like if I lived by their labels of brave and fearless instead of my labels of flighty and a little bit stupid. Because they were both created from people looking at the same situation and the same person going through it. And I guess that's part of what I wanted to get out in, in my TEDx is if what you're saying to yourself isn't serving you, it isn't making you feel good about yourself, ask yourself, could the opposite be true? And then choose which one of those you're going to focus on. So well said. And Kim Adele, I promised you at the beginning, I'd let you know we're 25 minutes in because I know you have somewhere very special to go, another authentic achievement. So please take the, the last part of the show and tell us what's going on. Uh, I will do. So um, as you all know, my little girl Scarlett is my North Star. I couldn't be prouder of her um, for her kindness. She's such a kind little girl and she's always looking for ways to care. And I can honestly say, I, I, I didn't think I could ever, ever get more proud of her. And then this week has just been the most amazing week. So she, on um, on Tuesday, she passed four exams in gymnastics, uh, which she's only just started doing a few months ago. Uh, then on Wednesday, it was her parents' evening and she got glowing reports. But my favourite bit was that um, her teachers go, she's such a lovely little girl um, to teach. She's so creative and she's so kind. And I was like, what an amazing uh, accolade to, to your child. Um, and then yesterday, uh, she um, passed her next level of swimming. And I got phoned by the school this morning to say that she's got star, um, star of the week for the school. And um, therefore, if I was free, I'm allowed to go in and watch that pre be presented to her at this afternoon's assembly, which is why I'm cutting this short to be able to go and see my little princess, um, in her authentic achievements for being exactly who she is. And I wrote a quote for her and I shared it at the end of my TEDx and I'm going to share it with you now because it feels appropriate. And that is to be kind, to be curious, to, take, to dream big, take action and believe because you are proof that miracles happen. We're all proof miracles happen to somebody. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Of tears. So nice. And I love how you're always using quotes. I love that. It's, it's perfect. So I, I'm so happy for you and just what a joyous day and a joyous accomplishment that you have, you'll have for your whole life, by the way. 
That's amazing. I've thought about being a TEDx speaker, I've done nothing about it, and here you've accomplished it. So what would you say as we the last couple of minutes for people out there who want to do it, but they haven't done it, what are the main takeaways in terms of personal and professional development about being a TEDx speaker? Oh, um, so if, if, you, if you're thinking of doing it, do it. Um, I've learned so much. I met such amazing people along the way. But it also helped me really hone my idea um, from a kind of a bit of a, an idea, a bit of a, an inkling to something that could start a conversation. And that's the whole point of TEDx is about starting a conversation, sparking some interest, keeping the dialogue moving. So I would say to anybody out there, you're doubting that your story is going to be enough, that you've got anything that's worth saying. Every single one of us has a story in us. Every one of us has got something to say that can help somebody else. Even if you've had the most um, disastrous life, you know, I joke about the fact, you know, my memoirs would be three divorces, a stalker, an evil inner critic, uh, not to mention the illnesses and the miscarriage, etc. But every one of those taught me how to survive it, which means the thing I can share with somebody else if they're going through that or fearful of going through that is the steps I took to achieve it. So whatever's going on in your world, you've survived it. And therefore, you can help somebody else see how they've made their steps. So reach out, put, put your idea out there. Ask somebody who's done one if they can you know, mentor you a little bit on how you pull together your application. Um, but do it. You'll learn loads. And the world needs your story. Thank you, Kim Adele. Beautiful. How can people reach out to you? How can people hire you? How can they partner with you? Of course. So anybody that would like to learn more, um, you can get in touch directly at Kim at KimAdeleRandall.com. Um, or you can check out what's happening in my world right now at www.authenticachievements.com. And I'm on social media, either as Kim Adele Randall or Kim Adele 10. So please do reach out. I'd love to hear your story. And if anyone wants a, a little bit of advice on how to get started on their own TEDx journey, get in touch. Fantastic. Thank you. And for all of you out there who are watching, we'd love to have you as a guest on our show. Please do go over to our website, USA Global TV, and book in your session for Authentic Achievements. Kim, Adele, have a beautiful rest of your day celebrating Scarlett's fabulous Authentic Achievement. And also congratulations on your own. It's a pleasure to share this space with you. Bless you. It's always a delight, Dr. Jacqueline. Have an amazing week. I'll see you next week. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. And thank you to each and every one of you. Please do reach out to Kim Adele Randall. We have amazing team members here at USA Global TV and Radio. That is one of the biggest returns on investment that I can share from this experience, from leaving my corporate work, the people I have met from all over the world, sharing their stories, coming forward. What we read in mainstream media and what's actually going on in various parts of the world can be very different. There can be two, three more sides to every story. We get to hear from the people here. Here, and that's what I love. So we'd love to hear your story. Again, go over to our website. I have a special announcement about an event that is taking place right here next week, November 22nd, in partnership with the British School of Excellence. Our show that we have every week is coming up right after this one. It's called The Power of Etiquette and Manners. If you haven't seen the show, please do join us. It is not for posh people. It's for everyone. Everyone who is interested in emotional intelligence, kindness, respect, 
all of the values that we crave to feel safe and to feel like we are valued by other people and we value ourselves so we can value other people. So as an extension of the power of etiquette and manners and the British School of Excellence, next week there is a special event that the principal, Philip Sykes, is putting on. Let me bring up the show graphic. It is quite exceptional. The event is Train the Trainer, a Taste of Excellence. This is a complimentary event that you can attend by wherever you are right now. If you're watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you can be part of this event. What is the purpose of the event? The purpose of the event is to give you education, knowledge, create curiosity on how you, that's right, you watching or listening right now, can become an internationally accredited etiquette coach and create a business and life you love. So I hope that you will mark your calendars. I'm going to put up the information so you can see it. Again, it's right here, wherever it is you're watching. The event is Tuesday, November 22nd. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 6 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. It's a one-hour-long event. Philip will be presenting you with information, education, also bringing some of the alumni from the program and taking your questions. It's an opportunity for you to be curious about how you can incorporate etiquette and manners into your life as a business. So do join us for that. Thank you. All right. We will be signing off and coming back at the top of the hour. We closed a little bit early today so Kim Adele could get to her exciting event for her daughter. So do join us at the top of the hour, which is 10 a.m. Eastern time for The Power of Etiquette and Manners. See you again. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.